0: Green is good, red is bad. My followers get $20 off their first ticket purchase using my code, InjuredListPod. Click on the link in the show notes and browse for your favorite events. Your next big night ever is waiting and they have the tickets. Tune in and listen to the Injured List Podcast, proud new member of Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Sports Media Network, hosted by me, Brian Scott. I'm a licensed full-time physician assistant in orthopedic surgery and sports medicine. I break down the latest in injury news regarding your favorite professional athletes each week throughout the year. I have all your major sports covered from the NFL, MLB, NHL, MLS, and MMA. There is not a sport or an injury that I will not cover. Get the most up-to-date info in easy-to-understand non-medical language so you can make the better decisions when placing your bets or setting your fantasy lineups each week. Check out my website at TheInjuredList.com where you can message me ideas for topics or questions and listen to previous episodes where I interview former athletes and healthcare professionals to talk about their experiences with sports injuries.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the host of the Injured List podcast, Brian Scott.
0: Hey guys what's up brian scott here thank you for tuning in and uh not only is this on video on my youtube channel but i'm also recording it and you can hear it wherever you listen to your podcasts i got my co-host back there you can see her playing with her bone miss bella say hi to everybody bella anyway guys uh big apologies out to the belly up fantasy live crew uh um, I was supposed to join them at 11 a.m. this morning. Unfortunately, I'm on call for work, and I got called in to provide healthcare. And any of you that are in the healthcare field know, uh, sometimes that happens. You just never know when you're going to get called in. And unfortunately, spent a late night Friday night there. Spent all day Saturday there. Thought I would be done. Didn't think I would have to go in, and then uh, had a surgery come up that we had to get to this morning. So thank you, Andrew, Kevin, and Chase, for being so understanding. I promised you guys I would give you a little bit more in-depth injury analysis on some of the players you had questions about in the AFC South Conference. So here it is. And let's get right to it, shall we? Now, the uh, AFC South, you know, four teams. You got your Tennessee Jaguar, uh, Tennessee Titans. You got your Jacksonville Jaguars, your Indianapolis Colts, and your Texas, uh, your Texans, Houston Texans. So. You know, uh, the guys gave me a list of of athletes that they wanted to um, me to discuss, and I know that they had spoken a little bit about it on their show today. Just gonna kind of give a little bit more background information, kind of clear some things up that may maybe you guys were confused about or are not sure about how it kind of plays out. So, one of the uh, most intriguing injuries, or at least in my opinion, the most interesting injuries, and I think a lot of you guys will really appreciate the clarification on this was with the, the linebacker from the Colts, uh, Darius uh, Leonard. Um, it, shockingly, uh, I guess, to some fans and people who follow football, he had spine surgery uh, sometime around June 7th for two herniated discs. But apparently, going back to 2001, he'd been dealing with an ankle injury. And so people were kind of surprised when they heard that he had a spine surgery because they weren't sure if the injuries were related, if these were two separate injury injuries, if... The spine surgery would, in fact, uh, try to help treat the ankle problem that he was having. And I'm, I'm not too sure about what the symptoms that he was having in the ankle. However, uh, he was on the Pat McAfee show and uh, spoke to Pat, and Pat uh, reported this on his show the following day, that he basically said that the symptoms he was having in his ankle were related to his back. And that makes complete sense because apparently he had two herniated discs in his lower back. And two of the most common areas where the discs will herniate are the L4, L5, and the L5, S1 spaces, which are where the two vertebrae come together. It's your very low back, right before your lumbar spine articulates with your sacrum, you know, kind of like where your belt sits back there. So these are the two most commonly affected uh, discs when it comes to bulging discs and herniated discs. And the discs, you can imagine them like a jelly donut. That's probably the best analogy I've ever heard throughout my career. And if any of that jelly kind of starts to bulge out of that donut and compresses the nerves around the spinal column that exit out those areas, you will get symptoms elsewhere because the nerves are getting irritated and they are kind of like a a pathway down to the muscle tissue and all the the joints and stuff to help you us move and uh, do sports. So, he probably was having some, what we call, radicular pain, meaning uh, that the pain was being felt in the ankle, but it was really being transmitted from the compression on the nerve in the spine. And this can often be very difficult for some people to really differentiate what the problem is. They may not have pinpoint lower back pain, and they think they have an injury somewhere else, or they feel the symptoms somewhere else, but the problem may actually stem from the, the source, which is the spinal column or where the nerves exit the spine. So not unusual to hear a story like that. You know, athletes are in such good shape, and a lot of times they play through a lot of aches and pains and kind of don't pay attention to it. And in his case, it probably built up over time where those herniations started slowly kind of compressing the nerve, which gave rise to this ankle injury or what they thought was an ankle injury. Turns out it all along, it may have just been the nerve that was causing the ridiculous pain down in the ankle the most common way for those discs to herniate is kind of to the back and to the side. And that's right where the nerves kind of run through. So it's not unusual. Even if you have a disc bulge, sometimes you can have these neuro, these ridiculous neurological symptoms. Um, Athletes though, good news is they tend to have a lot better outcomes when it comes to this problem and, and, and subsequent surgery to fix it. than most people, the general public, because they're a younger, um, they typically, uh, have shorter symptom duration because they know that they're having problems much faster because they're more in tune with their body and they are definitely more active, uh, than most of us, uh, given their profession. So they tend to have better, uh, outcomes when you factor in those things. Um, 90% of patients who have symptoms, uh, with, or uh, patients whose patients symptoms improve within the first three months, um, do do great. And that's that's a huge number. So that's really important. Um, if there is no improvement within six weeks, then the results start to decline very rapidly and sharply. Um, but again, he kind of being an athlete and having those other factors uh, factored in sits a little bit higher up on, on that spectrum and probably won't be one of those 10% that doesn't do so well. So um, I, I expect that he'll have a good recovery. Now, the only other caveat to this is that as a young guy with two disc herniations, um, you worry that over time, this may catch up with him. And in fact, there is about a three to five year window where a lot of people who have this issue will once again have a problem. And that's whether they have surgery or not, unfortunately. And that seems to be the case with a lot of low back issues, especially related to disc herniations or bulging discs. So it's a it's a difficult um thing to maintain healthy, a healthy thing because you're, it's part of your core. Your spine takes a lot of stress when you're doing all these weightlifting things and football with all the contact just becomes really difficult sometimes to treat this. Hopefully this doesn't hinder his career in any significant way. Hopefully it was just some bulging discs or small little herniations that they were able to do a simple little cleanup and decompress the nerve and hopefully that's all he'll need going forward and he'll be able to get him some, himself straight. Now, I don't think they've come up with a time frame for him uh, to return, but the surgery, I believe, was in June. So we're still pretty early on in this process. I don't anticipate he'll be back um, very quickly. I think they're going to take their time with him given that he is young and is a very vital uh, part of their defense. Um, but uh, uh, according to him, he's doing great, feeling great and making good progress. The problem is that with the therapy and the rehab for this, uh, surgery, it's very slow at the very at the beginning. Um, and then it kind of ramps up much later on. And so that's that's the downside. Uh, he'll be very limited with what he can do right now as far as lifting, as far as a lot of the uh, strenuous activities and uh, um, uh, running, cutting, jumping, all those football drills, too. So it's going to be really tough the first few weeks, at least um, anywhere between I think maybe six to eight weeks, maybe even eight to 12 before they're really able to do a lot of really strenuous stuff. So it's going to be a long recovery. Hopefully he comes back good. Um, Let's move over to the Titans. Uh, There was a lot of concern, and I heard Kevin and those guys we were talking about. uh, Kevin in particular was mentioning uh, Derek Henry. Um, You know, he had a Jones fracture, and as fractures go, uh, it's not one of the worst things that can happen to an athlete in the world. The biggest issue with the Jones fractures typically is that um, they have a high rate of what we call a non-union. Because of the position of the fracture and the location on the bone, uh, it it, it ha- is a, it's prone to potentially not healing um, if you don't fix it with surgery. That being the case, most athletes and most surgeons who take care of athletes will recommend fixing it right away rather than waiting uh, to try and treat it conservatively. Because if you go the conservative route and you try to wait four, six, eight weeks, and you notice that it's not healing, then you've burned four, six, or eight weeks. I mean, So in the athletic population, we tend to jump on it much quicker with surgery. Uh, And we usually do that with a screw type of fixation. Basically Uh, the the good news is it's not usually a long-term issue, although there have been some athletes in the past that have dealt with non-unions even after surgery. But you know, this happened last year and he was able to come back and play in the playoffs. And in fact, I wasn't so sure he was actually going to do very well in the playoffs. I thought he was going to be a little rusty. But in the divisional playoff game against the Bengals, he had 20 carries for 61 yards and a touchdown. Um, I'd say that's pretty good for a guy coming off a Jones fracture and surgery. And uh, all reports are coming out of Tennessee that he's looking great in camp. And I would expect that from Derrick Henry. He's been a workhorse over his career, as Kevin was talking about today on the show. And that is the um, the big caveat to him. You know, he's going to get a lot of carries. He's going to be asked to do a lot. Maybe the time off, though, with this foot injury and the rehab he was able to do uh, gave his body a little chance to rest and recover. But I expect that he'll be basically 100% um, going forward here. If he hasn't had any setbacks now and he played in the playoffs and looked pretty good doing it, I think he's going to be good to go. I don't think the foot is going to be an issue whatsoever. Um, I think just the overall workload is more concerning than his foot being an issue. So speaking of feet, the next uh, running back, we're going to talk about is Travis, Etienne from uh, Jacksonville. He was a second year player out of Clemson who fractured his foot in like the second preseason game, I think last year, unfortunately for him. And it was a Liz Frank fracture, which uh, uh, as foot fractures go is not a good one to get. Now, From what I understand, after hearing him, I think, and reading some reports about what he was stating to reporters, he only had one screw that was placed to fix it, which tells me that it was just a a purely ligamentous Liz Frank injury, that he didn't suffer any major fractures to the bones that um, are important in the joints of the midfoot. Those tend to happen in uh, more elderly patients with osteoporosis. They tend to happen with more high-energy trauma, like falling from a ladder or car accidents and stuff like that. You do see it in athletes from time to time, but it sounds like his was purely a ligamentous injury, which is usually a little more common in athletes. The good news with that is although the rehab is pretty is long, um, the long-term results are usually much better than if it had been the more traumatic type of Liz Frank injury. So he I expect that he's going to do very well. Now, reports coming out of Jacksonville is that this dude has transformed his body and taken the time off from the injury to like really get in the weight room and hit the gym, which is awesome news. I think they shut it down usually... Uh, for about four months where he can't do any type of heavy running sprinting. But after that, you're pretty much a green light uh, as long as things look good on uh, follow-up scans and images. So um, I'm looking forward to big things from him, so much so, in fact, that I actually drafted him uh, in my fantasy league with the belly-up fantasy um, pool I'm in. So, um, yeah, looking for big things coming to him. Not only did I draft him, but I drafted his backup, James Robinson who was another guy on the list. And he had a season-ending Achilles injury back in week 16 and had surgery. Um, I'm not as optimistic for him as I am for uh, Etienne or Etienne, but uh, the good news is he, James Robinson's very young, 23, to have an injury like this. And um, he hasn't – I don't think he's been placed on the – he might have been placed on the PUP list, which is okay. It doesn't mean he can't come back. It just means he's got a little bit ways to go. They're saying that um, he's probably not going to be ready for week one, and that's okay. I wouldn't rush him back. You know, if you got uh, a team coming back, you know, you could probably hold off a little bit longer. Now, Cam Akers had this injury and surgery, I think, last year and was back in, like, some ridiculous, like, amount of time, like five months or something. But typically, the return to play for this is about nine months. And I think he had surgery sometime in January. So I wouldn't expect him to be ready right out of the gate, and that's okay. So long as uh, a team is healthy and doing good, uh, they might not need him back right away, but it will be nice when they do get him back. I think this will unfortunately affect his game. Um, he is a skilled position. Him, uh, Running backs and receivers typically are the ones that are affected the most by this particular injury. Uh, um, any skilled position player in the NFL um, who has to do a lot of sprinting, twisting, stopping, suddenly changing direction, which involves an eccentric load on that Achilles tendon. Those are the guys you worry about. And you do tend to lose a little bit of power after this procedure. And sometimes there's no way to kind of get back to where you were before the pre-injury level. But if you are going to have that possibility, uh, no better person to be or a better job to have than being in the NFL and working with those trainers and strength conditioning specialists. Um, but I, uh, uh, you know, Historically, it uh, it tells us that most of these guys do, in fact, have some degree of um, loss of power on that side. So we will have to see how that kind of plays out. But um, I I I feel much better about Etienne coming back than I do about uh, Robinson coming back. Unfortunately for the Jaguars, because that could have been a nice little one-two um, punch right there. Now the Titans. Titans are their next one up, and um, Robert Woods was uh, the receiver um, who is coming off an ACL injury, was uh, recently traded to uh, Tennessee, and uh, he was um, at camp and has been participating. Told reporters that he had a clean ACL tear, which is very important uh, when I hear that because there's a couple of things that are really important when we talk about ACL injuries. And we talk, I, I, I talk about them all the time, and everybody asks about them. It's like the hot, always a hot topic when it comes to sports injuries for whatever reason. But anyway, it, it has to do about timing of the injury and surgery, and it has to do about other structural injuries to the knee. And if he's saying that he had a clean ACL tear, meaning he did not have any type, other type of ligament injuries, he did not have any injury to the cartilage, and it was just an isolated ACL ligament injury, then that is good news because that means that you can expect him back full go realistically within nine months. And and there have been guys that have come back sooner with isolated ACL injuries. I'm not saying they should. I'm not saying that he is, but it can be done because you don't have all the associated problems that you ha- would have with an injury to one of the other structures than the aside from the ACL. It also allows for usually, usually, um much quicker Uh, surgical reconstruction because a lot of times when you have the other associated injuries, you have to let the swelling in the knee go down. Sometimes you got to let things heal up a little bit and let the knee stabilize a little more before you can then go and reconstruct the ACL. Sometimes when you do the ACL, if you have to do a meniscus repair or possibly repair some of the damaged cartilage underneath, that will prolong the rehab. So an isolated ACL injury is one that I would prefer if it was my knee over any other type of knee ligament injury. So take that for what it's worth. Now, uh, but that being said, it can still take about 12 to 18 months before they're really, really feeling about 100%. Um, Although I do think they have an advantage and can probably get back sooner than most guys without the isolated ACL that have other injuries. Um, And then there's always that two-year window where you got to really be concerned that there's a possibility of re-injury, especially in the NFL and especially with the skilled players. They tend to be the ones that kind of prove that theory correct and that's those statistics correct. One good example of that would be uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, He suffered a non-contact re-injury of his ACL less, just, just under two years, maybe even less than that, maybe even a year and a half uh, after coming back from his ACL injury. And yeah, he would hate to see that for, for these guys. So, well, I'm going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors and then what's going to happen after that? We'll come back. I'm going to wet my palate because I've been talking a lot at work. And I've got a couple more athletes that the guys uh, had talked about, or at least one more. And then um, we will go from there. But let me just take a quick pause to thank the guys. Uh, well, first, thank you guys over at um, Belly Up Fantasy for uh, you know trying to get me on the show and for the shout-out, even though I couldn't make it. I hope this is what you guys were looking for. And if not, listen, don't worry about it. I'll be on again. Um, I've got another show I'm doing um, next week with MD fantasy football. Uh, we're going to be covering a lot more athletes. so I got to do a lot more research for that one. And then, um, I've got my own podcast too, that I try to publish stuff uh, every once in a while. I'm going to be doing on YouTube too now this year. So pay attention to that. I'll be, um, on the, uh, YouTube channel. Um, doing some uh, weekly uh, live stream updates. So we'll be back uh, after these messages from the sponsors uh, and then we'll get into some more guys.
1: This is the Injured List Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Are you interested in being a guest on the show? Or do you know someone who would make a good guest? Want Brian Scott to be on your show? If so, share the podcast with your friends. Or drop us a line and we will get back to you right away. Email us at theinjuredlist411 at gmail.com or visit our website at www.TheInjuredList.com. You're listening to The Injured List podcast with your host, Brian Scott, your go-to resource for all sport injury-related topics. For show notes and other resources, visit TheInjuredList.com. Now, back to the show.
0: Special shout-out to today's episode to SeatGeek. My followers get $20 off their first ticket purchase using my code, InjuredListPod. Click on the link in the show notes and browse for your favorite events. Your next big night ever is waiting, and they have the tickets. It's that time, everybody. The Throckmorton Sign Injury of the Week, brought to you by Belly Up Media Network, of which we are a proud member. And we're keeping it in the AFC South this week. As you guys may or may not know, the Throckmorton Sign Injury of the Week is usually an injury that occurs off the field of play, sometimes under unusual or odd circumstances, almost all the time, actually. And uh, we're keeping it in the AFC South this uh, year. We're gonna talk about uh, Derek Mason, former wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans, drafted in 1997 out of Michigan State, played for eight seasons with Tennessee including two Pro Bowl selections in 2000 and 2003. Then he spent five years with the Baltimore Ravens, where he uh, ended up becoming their leading receiver in yards. Pretty impressive. What's what's also impressive is that he almost never missed a game due to injury. And um, in fact, eight straight years, he played 16 games or more throughout his career when he was with Baltimore and Tennessee. Um, 230 games over a 15-year career, never missing more than a few in any particular season. But in 2003, in the offseason, he fractured the third metacarpal bone in his right hand, playing in a Jeff Fisher-sponsored charity golf event when he was hitting the driver off a tee and struck the ground prior to hitting the ball. From the force, he fractured his right hand third metacarpal Didn't slow him down at all, though. Still participated in mini camp in June. And didn't miss a game that year. And, um... I think I know now why they used to have two-a-days. It wasn't necessarily to make guys get in shape faster. Or learn the playbook. No, it was actually to keep them from getting hurt off the field. And to keep them from getting in trouble. Which seems to be happening a lot these days in the offseason. So, um... That's our Throckmorton Sign Injury of the Week, as always. Brought to you by Belly Up Media. All right, guys, we're back. Uh, The other um, athlete, and I don't, you know, these were in no particular order, Uh, but is John Mechie III. The guys were asking about his condition that he was recently diagnosed with. And now, I don't know a lot about it, but I did read up on it, and I did kind of go back to my notes from when I was in training years and years ago and gathered up some verified literature to review this subject. But the leukemias are essentially a group of conditions that fall under an umbrella of leukemia. where the, the cancer is within the blood. And the cancer, what it is, is these abnormal blood cells that grow from the bone marrow, which is where our blood cells are typically produced. The problem with this these particular types of cancers is that the bone marrow produces these abnormal or non-functioning cells that take on certain characteristics which become problematic for the other healthy cells that are trying to be produced by the bone marrow. And as a result, they block production of the normal healthy cells. And when these bad cells are being produced, it happens in rapid succession, in rapid numbers, in huge numbers. And so it suppresses those other cells and they can't do their job. And what their jobs are usually uh, when you're talking about leukemias, especially the, the APL or the acute primalocytic leukemia, which is what he has, is that the white blood cells, those are the ones that typically get affected. And so those are important because they help fight off infection. They help... To uh, some of those, those cells also help to prevent or deal with blood clots, or not only preventing blood clots from forming, but also to clot blood when it needs to clot. And so often the constellation of symptoms that leads to the diagnosis, aside from just uh, special blood work, is that patients will often have repeated uh, weird type of infections that just seem to happen out of the blue. They sometimes will feel lethargic and tired, um, and they have these just weird constellation of symptoms it's probable that he was been dealing with this for a long time and just never really knew it. And it only became more apparent recently because he had a more in-depth workup and it showed the abnormality on the blood work. And that's typically how it happens. Now, I don't know about the genetic component of it and the family history stuff and all that. I know there is some type of DNA type of abnormality that I think can predispose you to it um, or some type of thing that affects the DNA that can lead to it. But, you know, I work in sports. I do bones and fractures and joints and all that kind of stuff. So this is a little bit over my head too. But that's just basically a kind of a, a summary of it. And, you know, they're, they're, the, the good news is, though, the, this is one of the most successfully treated and cured cancers of the leukemia cancer group. So we should not expect him to do anything less than a full recovery. It's just going to take some time. He's going to need medications. Uh, these, you know, are, are, are provided over a lengthy period of time, several medications that have actually come to fruition that have been very successful in treating this. So we expect that he'll make a full recovery eventually and be back hopefully next year. Uh, the, the danger in playing through this is that, you know, while he's on these medications until his blood cells have a chance to regulate themselves and get back to normal, there's a risk that he can develop infections. There's a risk that if he gets injured, he can, you know, bleed spontaneously or internally. And you don't want to go that route. Um, that could be potentially life-threatening and very serious. And so um, not, not good uh, for him. He's a young player, though. Uh, he's got a, a full career ahead of him. Um, good thing they caught this when they did. Could have been really serious had he tried to play through it and suffered the consequences. So um, listen, guys, I've got a lot more stuff to cover. There's a lot more athletes to get to this training camp season right now. I'm going to be on MD Fantasy Football Live this Thursday, August 4th at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to be covering a whole bunch more athletes. But I hope I can cover some of these AFC guys for you, uh, South guys for you over there at the um, Belly Up Fantasy Live. So thank you guys. And stay healthy, stay safe, and stay active.